And if I asked you a question and, I, and you had a piece of paper in front of you, this would be the question I would ask you tonight is what would your report say? If you had a report card or a diary in front of you right now, if you wrote about your life, wrote about what you're expecting to see in your life, what would it say? What would your report say of the life you are living right now and where you want to go? In Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of the fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So we know that the children of Israel had done been promised the promised land. Before this, the promise was already made. But here in, uh, in Numbers chapter 13, the Lord speaks to Moses and says, Send men out to spy the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. They already know God's given it to them. So what Moses does, we're going to skip over to Numbers 13, verses 17 through 20. The next few, uh, 3 through 11 and 12, is just saying the men that they're going to send out and what tribe they're from and all that. So 13, verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 17 says, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. Well, that's all Jesus, that's all God told them to do in the first part of 13, right? Just go spy the land out. That was it. That's all he said. Now, we never, when I studied this, my mind went back to we never, I think Moses here lost focus. I'll be honest with you. This is just me. I think he lost focus. 17, then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, which what God told them to do. Go spy the land out that I'm already giving you. And he said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are fortresses or there are not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Okay, so Moses gives them specific instructions to go out the way they should go out and to tell me if there's fortresses there, if there's what the people look like, are they good, are they bad, are they wilderness, and all this. So Moses kind of gives them a report on what he is wanting to look for. But God never said that to him. God said, Moses, go look at the land that I have already given you. So a lot of times we, when God speaks something to our life and into us a promise that we have, we take that promise and we start building our own report on things we've got to see or think we need to know before we can ever step into that promise. And Moses lost focus here. He wanted to say, you come back and tell me all this stuff. When God said, Moses, just go look at it. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. So we cannot lose focus. When God promises you something, we will want to analyze the promise and see how it's going to come to pass, what obstacles we may have to face to get the promise and all that. When God says, no, 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 no. 
I've already given you the promise. I've already given it. It's not to me to worry about what obstacles I'm going to go through, what Red Sea I might face, what the giant is I might face. It's not me to worry about that. So what would your report say? Are you staying focused on what God said? Are you losing focus and letting flesh take control and look at the situations out there? And what does Moses get? What does he get? Actually, he gets just what he asked for. He did. You think about Mo. We never give Moses a report card here, but he got just what he asked for. It says, now they departed and they came back. It says, Moses and Aaron with all the congregation of Israel in the wilderness of Kadesh, they brought back word of them to all, this is verses 26, uh, to the, all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruits. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. They are very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Ach- uh, Anak. There, there, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hesitites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Honestly, the, the 12 spies get a bad rep. The 10 of them do. But honestly, they just give Moses what he asked for. What are you asking for? What are you asking for? God said, I've done give it to you. Why are you taking in, 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 in consideration what everybody else is thinking about it? Don't worry about what they say. You should have acted when God said, go, spy, I'm giving it to you. Go, look at it, and get it. So I believe Moses lost focus here. It says in verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it so Caleb and Joshua we know are the only two spies that says listen we're well aware and overcome what did what did Moses think he was going to find all these Jebusites Amorites and all them where did they come from they come from the people who committed adultery. What God shunned them, disowned them. They went out. These are pagan religions and people that follow false God. That's the reason they're out there. That's the reason they're out there. What do you think you're going to find when you go there? You're going to find just what they, they looked at. The cities are fortified and the people are big. And we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. You are well able. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, This land through which we have gone as spies is a land that is diverse in its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There were saw the giants, the descendants of Anna came from the giants as well. We're like grasshoppers in our own sight. So, we're, so are we in their sight. So you had the ten that come back and really gave Moses just what he asked for. And then you had Joshua and Caleb that come back and says, we can go. They come back, the Bible says, 
the, the grapes that they brought back took two men to tote them. They basically stuck a stick in between them, and two men had to tote these huge grapes back. said, the land is just what God promised. It's just what God promised. Listen, your promise is just what God promised. But how you see it is what determines where you get it. If you're always looking at the obstacles and the people and the things that you're going to face instead of looking at what God says, then you will talk yourself out of it every time. You will believe that report of the ten spies. You'll say, we're not good enough, I'm not good enough. Hey, you're looking at somebody here, I was talking to Brother John before church. I said, if you thought this boy right here would ever be a pastor of a church, <laughs> uh-uh. No, no, my grammar's all messed up, my, my, my speech, I, I, was, I didn't talk a lot in school. People thought I was a snob because I didn't make friends. I wouldn't just go up to you and talk to you. And you thought, no, no, I could, I could have told God a thousand reasons why I shouldn't be here. But his promise is what I had to start looking at. Not what I thought about myself, not what other people thought about myself, I had to take my report and look at the promises of God and stand on those promises. So what and how are you looking at things? What report would your report say right now if you wrote it on your life? If you had to write a report right now, what would it say? Do you see the harvest in your report? Do you see the promises in your report? Or do you see the wilderness in your report? Or do you see Egypt in your report? Chapter 14, there it says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If we had only died in the land of Egypt, or if we only had died in the wilderness... Why has this Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? That would it not be better for us to return to Egypt so that, said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt? Would it not have been better if we had died in Egypt or if it would not have been better if we had died in the wilderness? How do you see it? How do you see it tonight? That's the bad thing is you have a people that experience God move. They've seen a mountain shake and the glory of God speak off the top of that mountain and thunders and lightnings. They've seen a Red Sea part. They've seen manna rain down from heaven. They've seen a cloud over them by day and a fire by night. They've, they've seen water come from rocks. They've seen God give them and take care of every provision. They've seen that. But that still wasn't the promise. The promise was the not to stay there. So how do you look at it? Where you're at, the problem is we get too comfortable. I'm sure a lot of them were saying, why do we want to go over there after this? There is fortified cities. There's big people and all this. Giants. Why do we want to go over there when God is feeding us right here? He's taking care of us right here. Every day it rains down manna. I got a shade over my head. Why do I want to go fight these giants? We get complacent. And that's what our reports say. I am comfortable. I am comfortable. 
if we are going to see the promises of God and the end time promise of God of him pouring out his spirit, then we can't be comfortable in what we're in right now. With coming every Sunday, God feeds us some manna, we worship, we go out, everything's going good in life, and we don't want to get out of our pews, and we don't want to do, because if we do, we will have to face the devil. He's not worried about a comfortable Christian. He's worried about a warrior Christian that's going on the promises of God. That's what he's worried about. Today, when I was standing out there with my little poster board, some of y'all have seen me. You, that, that, that come over to me. God was like, Jared, you better start praying. I, I pray the whole time I'm standing out there. But he said, you better start praying because the enemy is coming after you. He, he warned Peter too. Hey, th- Jesus told him, the devil has sought to sift you as wheat. But I pray your faith does not fail you, Peter. Because when I'm out there, I'm going against every principality, every darkness, every spirit that's in this community. And they, they don't like that. The devil does not like that, that there's somebody resisting what is going on. That, 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 that God is getting ready to move. So if you're going to be in the battle, you better have the armor of God on. You better get ready. And that's what I ask you, how do you see, are you fine being complacent tonight or are you ready for war? Because that's what it takes in this last day to get out in this community because the devil ain't going to let us have it easily. He's not going to let us have it easily. It's not going to happen. So I started buying principalities and demonic spirits over this community and praying a hedge of protection around me in this church because I know we're going to have to go through things and I know we're going to have to face some giants. I know we're going to have to face some, some Jericho walls. I know we're going to have to do that. But as long as I am doing what God and we're doing what God told us to do, the promise of the end time revival and souls being saved and miracles happen and pouring out your spirit on your sons and your daughters and all everybody, we've got to be there and willing to go for it so how do you see it how do you see are you wanting to turn around and go back to Egypt stay in the wilderness and just die there how do you see it I'm going to turn over to 2nd Kings right quick 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14, says this. 2 Kings six fourteen says, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant, when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those that who are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire, all around Elisha. <laughs> what do you see? What do you see? What does your report say? Because as I was in the sanctuary praying today about this, what do you see? And God was like, if I send 
300 people to this revival, what are you going to do? Do you believe I can do it? Yes, Lord, I believe you. Are you ready? Yes, Lord, I'm ready. Well, what are you doing about it then? What is your faith in action then? So the, I got up there in the balcony and, I, and I, I rearranged seats up there and I cleaned up up there and, and tried to get a good line of sight on the pulpit. And, you know, what are you doing? If you are really serious about this, then what is your life telling what is your report saying? Are you ready? Are you anticipating? I mean, I hope you can see this because what I see is I see this place full of, of, of broken people, of, of hurting people. And then I see the glory of God coming down and healing those people and restoration happen. And, and things that we can't even imagine because our minds won't go there. That's what I see. So I'm asking you as the church, what do you see? Do you see, uh, are you fine with what you see right now? But I pray, if that's you, I pray like Elijah did for his servant. Lord, open their eyes and let them see what I see. Because the, great, the army is far greater that is for us than the army that is against us. God has done encamped his army around this church and around this community that we will receive the harvest if our eyes are open to see it. Because if we don't see the army, then guess what we see? We see the other army. We see helplessness. We see we can't do it. We see, Lord, where are you at? Lord, open our eyes tonight, God, that we'll see, God, that you are greater. So I ask you, are you preparing for the harvest? Are you preparing to take your promise? Is your life displaying that, that you're, you're, you're trying to go for, are you comfortable? Are you comfortable with just coming to church on Sunday and, and, and God feeding us a little bit of manna? Are you comfortable under the shadow? Are you comfortable? I'm not, church. I'm not comfortable there because he's promised us so much more. We have an, an authority given to us as Christians in the word of God. We have an authority. We have an, a, a, a savior, a king on the throne. We have all power that he has given us to walk this life out. So what is your life saying? What is your report saying about this? What are you doing about this? Are you... Grasshoppers? My, I heard my brother preach a sermon about this. Are you a grasshopper or are, are you a grape? What are you? What are you? How do you see yourself in that situation? There's another story in 1 Kings chapter 18. You don't have to go there with me. It's about when Elijah meets with all the prophets of Baal on, on the mountain and they're going to call fire down. And there's been a drought uh, for so long. And so they build an altar there. And the prophets of Baal go first, the 400 prophets of Baal. And they, they build their altar and they cut themselves and they jump all over the altar and weep and wail. And, and, and Elijah, Elijah gets uh, amused. That's what's going on. He says, what's wrong? Is your God asleep? Does he, he must not hear you. What's happening? And then finally he says, all right, y'all quit. Playtime's over with. And then it says he rebuilds the altar. Rebuilds the altar. 
And I believe that's where we have been in the past five months is rebuilding the altar. But now, if we are ready, God is saying, I want to send the fire. I want to show the enemy. I want to show him. The enemy already knows what he, uh, he can do. I mean, because Jesus done knocked on the door one time and, and kicked it in and took the, the keys to death, hell, and the grave. But I believe the enemy thinks the Christian, the church, is powerless right now. Because we have been. And I believe God is saying if you rebuild the altar and they, and they poured water upon it. Get this, poured water upon it in a famine. There was no water. So how valuable was the, the four, I think it's four barrels they poured. How valuable was that? It was very valuable. What are you willing to give up on the altar to see the fire fall? I mean, they hadn't had rain, what, three years, four years, I think? My mind's, hadn't had rain in three to four years. And, and Ahab had done sent people all over the country to looking for brooks and places that had water because to, to feed their livestock and water their livestock. He'd done sent people all out. So how valuable was the, the water that they poured up on the altar? That was life, basically. What are you willing to pour on the altar? To see the fire of God fall. Are you willing to wake up at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning and pray and read your Bible? Are you willing through, through the day or whatever it may be? Are you willing to make the sacrifices that are hard to see the fire of God fall? And then after he got that and got it prepared and poured out the, 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 the water upon it. I think it's a 60, 60 something word prayer that Elijah prays. Wasn't he didn't do like the prophets of Baal? It didn't take him hours of, of him crying out to God. Can I tell you, when you're where you need to be, <laughs> and your altars, it, it's it's right with God, and you've been sacrificing and giving thing, things that you think important that rule your life over to God, you start giving that to God. It don't take long to call upon the name of God and Him, and then something start happening. It's something that we start seeing in things. When we start lining up with God and His Word, then it don't take hours and hours of prayer. It just took 60-something words here, and Elijah prayed, and the fire fell upon the altar. We've got to be in tune with God. And then he goes to and tells his servants, to go, he bows down and prays for rain, or he puts his uh, head between his leg, the Bible said, because it, hasn't, it hadn't rained because of the famine. And he said, Elijah said, when he looked, he, and this is back to what do you see? What do you see? Elijah bowed down and told his servant, go look. Do you see any rain? Seven times. Go look, go look, go look. And on the seventh time, we know he says, I see the hot sound of a man's, I see the cloud of a size of a man's hands rising. And he said, go tell Ahab that I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. That's what I'm hearing. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What does your report say? Have we been through famines? Have we been through things? Yes. But have we rebuilt the altar? If you've listened to anything I've preached or anything service that God has taken over in the past five months, your altar should be rebuilt. 
it should be rebuilt. If you've listened to anything God has spoken in this place uh, through, through messages that's been given out, interpretations, and what I've preached, well, then you should be sacrificing right now. You should be giving things to God. So what are you seeing now? Are you seeing the fire fall? Are you hearing the sound of the abundance of rain? If so, then what is your life? How, how, how do others, what's it displaying to, to show that? What does your report say? What does your report say? Because as your pastor, I see a promise that God has given us. I see the grapes. I see the milk. I see the honey. I see the harvest. As your pastor, I see greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. As your pastor, the armies of God has encircled its chariots, and I see it, and they are ready to fight for us. As your pastor, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. So I'm saying if you don't, God, open your eyes tonight to see this and let your actions be, be the, the thing that people see. I can't even think the right word there. But let your actions display that. A comfortable, and, and Sunday morning was hard. Yes, it was hard. But a comfortable spot on the pew is not an action of you getting ready for the harvest. A comfortable spot on the pew is not an action of you hearing the sound of the abundance of rain. A comfortable spot on the pew is not you seeing the armies that God has on your side. It's not. It's just a comfortable place where you're receiving a little bread every now and then. And you've got a little bit of shadow of God's upon your life. But that's not what it took to enter the promise. All those people who said that, guess what happened to them? They died in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness. If you would, stand with me. Philip, you can come play me some stopping music. But that's what I see. I see the God of miracles operating. I see the gifts of the Spirit operating. I see the fruits of the Spirit as a church being displayed. I see more than anything, like say, I see this place filled with the presence of God and the glory of God. That's what your pastor sees. What do you see? What are you seeing and are you preparing? Is, is, is it a, I don't, I don't know. I'm answering my own question right now before I even say it. And it simply was going with, is it harder to pastor now that all this stuff is pandemic and COVID is broken? I don't know. I've never pastored without it. <laughs> Probably a good thing. Probably a good thing. But when it comes down to it, I can't look at the COVID. Does my heart go out for the people who lost loved ones? Yes. It does. But I can't dwell there. 
I can't look at like the other ten spies did. I can't look at the situations and, and the walls and what's going on in the country. And I can't look. I can't look at the finances. I can't get caught up in that. I can't. I got to I got to look to the promise. And the promise says that the word God gives to me when I preached it in Exodus chapter 13, the promise was to go forward. When they sat there and looked at the Red Sea, he told them, "Stand still. Fear not. The army you see, the enemy you see right now will be no more." And then he says, "Go tell the people to go That's what I'm doing, church. By the direction of, of, of God, I can't, my report cannot say there's an army behind me. My report cannot say there's a Red Sea in front of me. My report can't say any of that. My report has to say, God, your promises are true. Yes and amen. And I have to walk that report. Is there hard decisions that we have to make? Yes. Is there hard decisions as a pastor that I, I'll have to make and some of y'all might not agree with? Yes. There is. There is. But let it be known, there's not a decision that I don't make that I do not pray earnestly over or that I do not feel that the Lord has, has spoke to me over every decision that I've made. I can't get caught up in other people's report and what other people are saying going to happen or this is going to happen just like before before the swap between Trump and Biden will marshal all this and this and all this we can't get caught up in that church that's just pulling your attention to worry about well, will I, will, will I have this or have that don't let your report say that my report says I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. I might not eat another loaf of earthly bread. The next bread I might be might be spiritual bread from the lambs from the supper off the table. But I'll never, Brother Lindsay, have to beg for bread because he promised me. So what, what does your report say? What does it say? What does it say? What are you looking at? Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I pray that our eyes be open, Lord. Open to who you are. That the scales, God, would fall off. The fleshly scales would fall off our eyes. God, in our spiritual eyes, be open and awaken. God, to who you really are. God, that when you said, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and by no means shall they hurt you. God, you just didn't put it in the book for a good read. God, but you put it in the book that I can write it in my report and says, God is for me and nobody else can be against me. God, you didn't put it in there, Jesus, just to make me feel good, but you put it in there for me to operate in that promise. 
Lord, and I pray our spiritual eyes are open to that. God, in our life that we live in here on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, Lord, is the same life we live, God, on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Lord, that it gives the report of who you are, Lord, and not what everybody else is saying. Open our eyes, Lord, of what you want to do and the revival that you want to bring to your own people. God, let it be deep within our hearts, God, to everybody we see to invite them. God, to go out to the streets. God, you said compel. Go out to the streets, to highways and hedges, Lord. And go get, God, the harvest because it is there and it is ripe. Lord, help us to be a laborer for you. Lord, and we praise you and we worship you. Go ahead, Philip.